Welcome to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. I'm your host, Wyndham Lewis, and I'm here with my two brothers, uh, Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis. We've dragged Christian out of the classroom briefly to uh, prop him up next to the microphone. And today we're going to talk about Tame Impala's career arc and, in the broader sense, Australian and New Zealand music. So music from the Southern Hemisphere that we love and how it has sort of very infiltrated various periods in, in pop music. Currently uh, sort of spearheaded by Tame Impala, who I think we agree is kind of the sneaky bigness uh, tag that we put on certain people. Like, you know, you sort of blinked and suddenly they were headlining arenas. What do you guys think of that? Headlining every single massive musical festival of the uh, last summer into this year as well. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think having um, seen him at, at Radio City back in, I guess, 2015 or 16, um, you know, I think they are... Uh, they are definitely like a, a worthy sort of spectacle, um, a really impressive uh, live performance, and you know I, I think um, such a such a sort of committed audiophile and, and Kevin Parker that um, you know they they really are a fun uh, a fun act to see. So, um, what do you guys make of the the new album? It's it's kind of. You know, I mean, it, it, on first listen, and, and those are always the dangerous thing. I like uh, Stereo Gum's uh, designation of premature evaluation. Um, it's it feels a little bit like more of the same from Currents. Um, you know, it's 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 funny with these guys because I mean, this is the first album in five years, um, but their first couple albums, Inner Speaker and Lonerism, were kind of more song based and and it feels like currents and the slow rush the new one are kind of more vibe based does that make sense yeah i mean i think the first two had kind of i mean i think there's definitely a a sound between all four and and it's there's nothing not to like about any of the albums i mean they're they're all really good but i think the set the latter two have more of like an atmosphere i have a theory on this too but uh but they have like more of an atmosphere as well and on you know um and cleanness and kind of i wouldn't even like a little bit of a dance i mean they've always had like a little bit of that like psychedelic dance sound going on but um but yeah i think it's like more precise a little less rock i mean if you go back to the first album um you know it's it's very beatlesque yeah and you know and and uh inner speaker and and um psychedelic rock you know you get like a kind of you know uh magical mystery tour you know updated kind of sound there and then you know i think from there you know uh lonerism was similar but a little more you know experimental and and kind of put them on the map but then it sounded a little more like they were coming into their own and then currents i think was definitely like a groove record and that's the one that you know obviously since this is their first album in five years really blew up which i did not know was as popular as it was um, I know. I feel like it happened when I wasn't looking. Yeah. What do you think I of the new one, Christian? The the groundwork had had sort of been laid in, in lonerism and um, you know inner speaker and and uh, I, I agree generally that the the trend has been toward um, uh, a sort of more trippy ambient or atmospheric or yeah. Um, you know, I think part of that's also just the opportunity to play with better sound equipment. <laughs> I mean, this is not a, a completely new um, 
new trend in the sense that you know it feels a little bit like uh, like Pink Floyd getting into the studio and spending three years there. Um, yeah, you know, it's uh, there's there's definitely like um, an obsessive uh, quality, I think, to um, the sort of intricacy of, of like the, a lot of the recording quality, and, and you know, it's it seems like and the the gap between albums has has been stretching out as well. Um, yeah, is he going to go full Kevin Shields and like not pull one out for like fifteen years now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, I think that's. That's definitely a possibility. I think Kevin Parker is, too, the type of person that would say, like, I hate the sound of, of lonerism, you know, or something. Like, he's, he's the, the guy who, like, is so obsessive. Forward-looking. You know, yeah, one keyboard note that didn't sound right or something that he, you know, thinks that album's trash or, or whatever. I think I've, I don't know that I heard... He was on Sound Opinions once, and I don't know if I'm, I'm grossly misquoting, but, like... The sentiment I got was that, yeah, that album sounded like crap to him now. You know, he's definitely, like, a total obsessive and, and going to get that perfect sound. Well, it is a, it is a one-man band. It, you know, I mean, it's a bona fide one-man band, which is interesting because I don't think that the touring band, which is obviously, you know, tours quite frequently and, and uh, widely, uh, has changed all that much. I think it's changed one member since I saw their first show at Piano's. Name drop, um, opening for Amazing Baby um, in June of 2010. So I mean, it, it, I don't think it's it's odd for a band to exist, um, you know, that solidly and really on record only be one person. Yeah, I mean, I think yeah, I think it's 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 kind of nuts in that they. Um, I think Christian's thing about like Pink Floyd, which my daughter called the other day Pink Fluid, which is a much better name. But um, <laughs> but they, um, yeah, I mean, I think it's that that kind of like taking forever going into it. And I also have like a thing with them being so big in the thoughts that like, I mean, this is goofy, but like, weed has become stronger and much more accessible. <laughs> and this is like the perfect headphone slash festival band. Like when I don't you, I'm, I'm the only one out of you guys that haven't haven't seen them live and. Um, I can't imagine that they're like, I'm sure they sound amazing. I'm sure the lights are fantastic, but I can't imagine these guys moving at all or, or being like very rambunctious on stage. So no, it almost a lot of presence. has that same feel to me as like the electronica movement or EDM or whatever, where these, you know, kids jam summer festivals take, I'm assuming loads of drugs like we did when we went to summer festivals and, you know, but they're not watching a band necessarily. There's somebody behind a light show. I think Tame Impala yes. kind of has that same thing going right now where, um, you know, I, I like the new album. I think it's good. It's very background music to me, though. You know, I'm not really, like, it can be on any time. Nothing really kind of jumps out and slaps me in the face. I like it all, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think it's sort of, you know, I mean, Pink Floyd sort of wrote the book on, on live shows that don't require, um, you know, a lot of sort Fun. of band participation. <laughs> But I mean, I think you know when we saw the Chemical Brothers this summer, it was this sort of it, it was a bit of the same thing. Yeah. Although the visual element is, you know, is very uh, uh, fussed over, for lack of a better term. I mean, it is you know it's it's a huge production. So I, I assume I mean when Christian and I saw them at at uh, Radio City, it was um, correct me if I'm wrong, Christian. It was a lot of light show and visual effects, but not a lot of 
dynamics from the performers. And I kind of assume that that would be the continuation if they if they're playing festivals now. I think that's probably um, pretty much in keeping with what they're still doing. Do you know differently? No, that is. Um, yeah. yeah, having I've seen them uh, uh, since then as well at a um, outdoor uh, event in, in New York, and and it was yeah, it was very similar. Um, yeah, like it's it's got a good thing going, and and um, people seem to uh, people seem to sort of find the groove and, and enjoy that. Um, I think Radio City was actually a uniquely great venue for uh, for them. It is for that kind of band. I mean, you know, Jaren and I saw um, Spiritualized there a number of years ago, and it is kind of great for that. Yeah, it's a sort of orchestral, you know, be subsumed in the music. Sort of let it wash over you. Or as uh, Spiritualized put it, music to take drugs (laughs) to, to make music to take drugs to. Was that it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, But anyway, I think, you know, it's funny, I, I... I can, you know, the comp that I came up with, and I think you guys, you know, will probably agree is, is Bon Iver, who, yeah. again, you know, we saw them early on at, in sort of small venues and, and early slots on festival lineups, and then suddenly they were playing, you know, they're headlining um, arenas, and you're like, how the hell did that happen? And at and the I, same time, I think even the music has kind of followed suit, where I really, you know, I really fell for these bands early on when they were when they were doing songs and and kind of more defined, um, you know, kind of pop song, you know, I guess pop songs, rock songs, and then they sort of graduated into more of a, um, you know, a sound pastiche. Yeah, I think it's a good comp. I mean, Bon Iver, um, I feel like for sure, and I actually enjoy Tame Impala more, and if you you know, now, now the newer albums and the more like atmospheric albums are still, I think, more uh, song structure and pop. I don't really <laughs> understand the Bon Iver stuff right now, and I, I but I know it's hugely popular. And, and you know, to your point, when you know his first kind of like uh, you know breakup album that he recorded in the you know Arctic Wisconsin in a log cabin by himself, that's the album that I got hooked on. I saw him play that you know early on with an acoustic guitar and then I also saw him on his next tour with two drummers and they were fantastic live I mean it was you know but I never liked the music as much going forward and I'm sure he's still really sonically fantastic live um but I think that's a a good comparison and also just huge like you know I don't know that I feel like Tame Impala's music declined necessarily in the sense that I know you you like really love those first two albums and then not as much the latter two. I think it's kind of stayed the same for me. I like those, I mean, I like the songs on the, I could pluck songs off the early ones um, easier. But uh, the Bon Iver stuff has really, like, gotten out there too. But it, it's not like these songs are on the radio, I don't think, or you know, nobody's listening to the radio anyways. But, I mean, you know, I, I don't know. It just seems it can be kind of like a, a word-of-mouth groundswell and then these festivals that have really, really propped these guys up. Yeah, it doesn't seem to be in the ether, like, you know... I mean, I guess that's the equivalent of what we used to think of as radio. Like, you don't overhear them places. You know what I mean? No. I guess everyone's got their headphones. I, mean, I don't know, Christian, like, when you were in like, Brooklyn. I feel, the, I feel like living in Williamsburg. Yeah, I was going to say, Williamsburg could be a different story. Yeah, I mean, it's it's in every barber shop and grocery store and uh, and bar. So um, and, I don't know where else I could hear it, frankly. Uh, but, you know, that's, that's not unusual, I think. Um, 
I, I do. I think they have made it to the to the radio circuit, um, at least satellite. Uh, and I'm not really sure what the next level is after that anymore. So um, video and MTV you know, as far as yeah, exactly. It's like I don't really know what you graduate to after you've like headlined, uh, you know, Governor's Ball and um, like you are the featured artist of the week on um, XMU. It's not really clear, like, what the... It, it doesn't really seem possible that you would break through to the next level of uh, superpower um, stardom uh, without sacrificing, like, the indie moniker. Yeah, I think... I think Coachella is the... Is the uh, that's, like, when you're done, you can retire. Yeah. That's fair. And they've done it. Yeah. Yeah. There's, nothing, there's nothing bigger than Coachella. No, I think you just, I think your hologram tour is next. <laughs> exactly. Um, that and blasting. I think Bonet Fair and Tim and Paula getting a, uh, you know, a, a verbal spat and we get some drive-by shootings a la Tupac and Biggie and then a hologram tour. That's I think, uh, yeah, blasting out of every artisanal vermouth dealer in, in Williamsburg is, <laughs> is uh, where they're going to have to stay right now. But, um Anyway, uh, do you want to take a quick break and come back and talk more broadly about uh, where they come from? Land down under? Sure. Brother, brother, brother podcast. Uh, today we are talking about Tame Impala, and then we are going to graduate more broadly right now into um, what's going on in Australia and New Zealand, a place that none of the three of us have ever been. <laughs> um, uh, Christian, I think your grandfather was the ambassador to Australia and New Zealand at one point. Is that correct? That is correct. Um, uh, and I have, in fact. <laughs> oh, have you? Um, but yeah, it's been a while. Um, but, well, please uh, tell us tell us what's going on then. <laughs> oh yeah, um, well, uh, well uh, New Zealand, I believe, is still the largest milk exporter globally. Um, and that's pretty much all I got. Uh, Flight of the Concords, as is written on our outline, um, was a television program at one time, um, and Lord. Yeah. So poetry is happening. Um, anyway. Back to Australia, uh, I think the two sort of epicenters vying for, um, you know, vying for, for attention here are, are sort of Melbourne and, and Sydney. And, um, you know, in, in recent years in particular, Courtney Barnett's obviously been um, a, a sort of really important, I think, global force. In Breakout, yeah. Getting, getting the word out. Um, for uh, for Melbourne music and and really you know it's 
in the same way that um, I, I think she she led a charge somewhat unintentionally. It's like obviously, um, in order for her to uh, uh, sort of develop in that that context, like she had to have a pretty favorable environment to do it in. So you know, there's there's no question in my mind that like the 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 um, sort of culture and, and network and, and um, seeing the infrastructure, need, yeah, yeah, had had been built um, and and you know had really been developed over uh, over the preceding decade or so. It's just that she was the one who happened to catch um, and you know to her credit has done a ton to uh, to really promote it and get the word out. So she founded just to put a timeline on it, I guess um, her. Uh, uh, her first album to, to sort of make it pretty big was 2013, um, and she had founded uh, Milk Records, which um, I believe uh, has Camp Cope on it, um, and uh, you know has similarly sort of supported like a, a slate of artists more recently that um, uh, that that have made it to a pretty high level, but I think also, um, you know, more recently, uh, Rolling Blackout's Coastal Fever has done extraordinarily well. Alex Leahy's, uh, you know, had a couple of American tours and, and is back with a new album. Um, Bad Boy and Bad Boys, uh, I believe, are Melbourne, yeah? Do you have the... To know, I don't know. And the sniffers are definitely, uh, definitely a Melbourne group. So, you know, I think there's been a uh, a pretty significant, um, pretty pretty significant surge, and and it kind of reminds me actually of uh, there's like a a raucousness to the to the sort of punk rock um, that's coming out of that city um, in the same way that that maybe we've seen out of like Toronto in recent years, or mm. I think Dublin's the yeah. next one to to sort of pop off. Um, but uh, but it seems to be uh, you know like very much in the vein and tradition of um, like somewhere between ACDC and um, you know a bunch of uh, even louder uh, punk bands. What what are some of your favorites? Um, what are some of your favorites coming out of Australia right now? I like you know I really like Rolling Blackouts, Coastal Fever. Um, I know that was a favorite of Jer's last year. Jer and I went to see Alex Leahy yeah. uh, last year and thought she was really going to pop, um, but I'm not sure that that has gone according to plan. Although if you do look at, you know, you pop around on Spotify and you realize that she's got millions and millions of listens, so it's, you know, she's yeah, big she's somewhere. Yeah, she's got her album out just now and I think is, is actually going to be, uh, yeah, she's gonna be touring the States again. Julia Jacqueline, I really liked that album last year. Um, you know, going back a few years, um, I'm a big Cut Copy fan. They sort of, they were an outlier. I don't feel like they belong to a scene. Like, they seem like, you know, they just materialized out of, like, a really good-looking cocktail party. <laughs> um, but, you know, they, they sort of remind me of, like, you know, Phoenix somewhere in between, something. like, Duran Duran and Roxy Music. Yeah. You know, just One too thing- cool. Though I would think too is is like you know your name I mean, those bands and I'm kind of on the same same list basically and and uh, and I do like Royal Headache a lot from Sydney and kind of straightforward more punk rock band but um, the one thing I think I think Christian you said Toronto and and those scenes like I 
the thing I find interesting about this kind of grouping and, and even past groupings of like Australian bands or bands from this area is like there doesn't seem to be a scene. I think there's like a, a collective and a collective support that reminds me a lot of the Montreal and Toronto stuff that was going on, you know, a few years back, where you know all the bands seem to be pretty much rooting for each other, but um, a lot of them had very different uh, sounds. It wasn't like a, a they're not scene. influencing each other so much. Yeah, as it's kind of like the other. Pacific Northwest, you know, and the pre-Nirvana mm-hmm. breaking or something where you're kind of an, onto your, your own little universe there. And I also just think the fact that Australians get around so much, you know, as far as travel and work goes and stuff, it really benefits to, like, the variety of, of music. It, it's like an un... There's not a, a, a real... Um, doesn't seem to be a real, minus maybe cut copy, who just is born cool, but, like emphasis on being cool as opposed to, um, you know, it's kind of the sort of, you know, have a, a nod and a wink and, and laugh at themselves in, in a good way and, and look like they're having fun. You know, well, Jerry and I were talking about ACDC the other day and, you know, I mean, it's the ACDC, the guys from ACDC's generation were generally immigrants to Australia and nobody's, yep. you know, really from there. And, um, you know, the, this will be the, I guess, the children and grandchildren of that first wave that came largely from, it seems, uh, largely from Scotland and Greece. Um, and, you know, some, uh, you know, sort of, uh, you know, some other immigrant regions. But, you know, it, 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 there was a great migration, and I think incentivized migration from the UK back, I guess, in the 50s. Is that right? I don't know. <laughs> but yeah. I'll believe, I believe it. Yeah, so it's, you know, everybody's sort of got one, I mean, what you were saying about the, you know, their desire to travel and their, their ability to travel. I mean, nobody's ever gone to Europe and not met Australian people. Right. Um, you know, it's, it's there is always one foot in another culture, it seems, and, and I think that informs a lot of, of the, you know, the sort of... Um, influences uh not necessarily musical but you know literature and and you know they're always they've always got an eye on everyone else's culture so it's a bit of a mix you know a, a mixing bowl when it comes to uh you know sound and look and and art but uh yeah you you were a big fan of gang of use is that correct yeah, and I think to to put uh, to put some some hard numbers under sort of the the um, I think the vibe and scene that we were talking about, um, you know, Melbourne actually. Uh, I'm looking at a music study now that that uh, by Music Victoria that says Melbourne's actually host to um, sixty two thousand live concerts annually, and and you know one of the uh, sort of most uh, energetic live music capitals of the world. Um, and I think it's, uh, it also cites here the fact that it's, it's home to more music venues per capita than Austin, Texas, which is a pretty impressive um, yeah. feat. And I think these numbers are a couple years Old. back now. Plus, I have no fucking idea how you'd actually accurately quantify, <laughs> out quantify that. That's true. Yeah. Um, but I've you know always, what? Even having if, lived in Austin, even that in claim always made me laugh a little bit. <laughs> But, yeah. yeah, I mean, if they're even in the ballpark, then uh, then then much much respect, Melbourne. Um, yeah. But uh, but I think the so I actually wanted to to take this back one step. You you talked a little bit about like well, first of all, where's Nick Cave from? He's from Melbourne, right? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and what about the like? Yeah. The the so 
what do we have in, in terms of post-punk and, like, um, like, aside from Nick Cave and the birthday party, um, who were the sort of... Well, you had, like, NXS, Midnight Oil, and Hoodoo Gurus. I mean, those were all, like, the 80s had quite a, a vibrant, like... Yeah, there's a college huge rock 80. scene from Australia. I was going to say that Hoodoo Gurus, like... Yeah, Hoodoo Gurus like um, like Tame Impala are kind of the outlier because they're from Perth, which is I think oh, right. you know the equivalent of being from Seattle pre-internet. You know, it's it's the other side of the world from Melbourne and Sydney. It's uh, you know the other coast and kind of a the only. It very much operates as a as an island uh, unto itself. So. Um, but the, the big, you know, there was, there was a lot of, of really good Australian geography podcast. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There's a lot it of, isn't, it is in fact an island. When <laughs> yeah. Um, that is true. Um, but the, you know, there was a lot of post punk, as Jared said, in excess, uh, midnight oil were huge split ends, um, you know, who were very sort of avant-garde for the day, uh, which be- later became Begat, Crowded House, and Neil Finn, who is currently uh, Lindsey Buckingham's replacement in Fleetwood Mac. <laughs> um, but, you know, then, you know, you had the church who, you know, were pretty, pretty, you know, a really good, solid, consistent band that then kind of uh, broke big with a couple of hits in 87 with, you know, Under the Milky Way, which is a number one song in America. Um, the go-betweens, um, you know, the chills and the, the clean from New Zealand, um, who sort of defined a, uh, a sound that I think rolling blackouts, coastal fever is aping. I think, uh, you know, I think you were the first to make that comparison, Jeremy, yes. to the, uh, to the clean and, um, Hunters and Collectors, who were the band that was perpetually going to break out of Australia and never did. Uh, so I referred to them as the tragically hip of Australia. You know, um, they're they're in every they're referenced by every Australian band, and nobody outside of Australia has ever heard them. Yeah, the Hoodoo Gurus were like Dino of Australia or something to me, or, or you know that kind of thing. They were definitely like fuzzy rock. So yeah, I mean there was like a post punk, I guess indie scene i think there's just been a gap and it sort of blew up again yeah i think the the in between you know it was weird it feels like they they went on hold for the 90s um because i can't really but that could be my memory failing me i just don't remember any bands really coming out of australia and new zealand in the in the 90s um save for kylie minogue um and uh but you know it, the the you know the, the heyday was really the 80s. They had this great breakout moment, and it was funny. And Christian, obviously, you weren't alive for this, and Jerry, you probably remember this oh, as yeah. a kid because you probably fell prey to it. But um, there was this, like, massive fascination with Australians in America for, like, four years, from, like, 82 to 86, <laughs> when we got, like, <laughs> men at work and, you know, down under. And uh, Crocodile, Crocodile Dundee. Dundee. And oh, yeah. it was just, like... And like there was, fashion. like, a fashion... Yep. Yeah, there was like this My sort safari of hat. Like, yeah, like <laughs> cargo fashion. It was uh, Banana Republic, uh, which has now morphed into a, a more mainstream uh, clothing outlet, but started off with like safari wear from yeah, they used to have Everybody, everybody basically dressed like that guy, Steve, who got killed by the shark. 
Um, <laughs> yeah, there was also, I think that yeah, was the that time that Outback. The camera, the photographer vest. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. <laughs> Ex officio. And everybody the, bl- was the, bloomy nun- the Bloomy Nunion was born then as well, I believe. Hey, as, a, as, a former, as a former employer or employee at, yeah. at Outback Steakhouse, <laughs> um, I, got, I got a healthy dose of, uh, of culture as well. Did you get uh, to keep your, uh, safari, your photographer's nice flair. vest? <laughs> <laughs> Did you actually um, um, speak with an Australian accent when people came in? Or this, I'm, I'm oh, yeah, assuming this is, in like, this is in like... Uh, uh, what are what's the town where all the malls are in Virginia? Uh, it, out, well, this was in Arlington, but um, I have no idea what you're talking about. There's, every town is full of malls in Virginia, <laughs> <laughs> um, and crowded house too, right? They were another yeah. Uh, they, of the, they came the out of area. Split Ends, yeah. But they were in New Zealand, but they were so Split Ends was two brothers. Um, okay, the older brother um, Tim Finn. And then his younger brother, who was very much of a prodigy, joined the band when he was, like, 17. And that was Neil Finn. He became the lead singer. And ultimately, they split up, and he started Crowded House with two other guys. That was one of the best okay. best songs of the 80s, I think. I agree, 100%. Yeah. It's up there with uh, with Time After Time by Cyndi Lauper. I think Don't, uh, Don't Dream It's Over is, is yeah. you know... Markedly one of the best And still a great song Still yep. holds up Totally It's a song that uh, Suffers from production And you don't care Yeah Yeah I mean that said uh, You know You forget that looming High above the clouds As, as godlike figures Are the brothers Gibb uh, Who also Emanated from Sydney, Australia oh, I, don't, I don't think anybody Forgets that on this podcast We're not <laughs> really ever given the Just lest you lest, lest you have forgotten There is a <laughs> There is a, a cumulus tuft of chest hair uh, <laughs> raining over this entire scene. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, it's in a in a bedazzled jumpsuit, um, and uh, yeah. So well, so that's kind of an interesting reference point because I I've always sort of thought of Tame Impala vocals um, as uh, you know sort of finding their their roots in, in the Bee Gees, actually. Um, yeah. It's very much that, like, uh, sort of falsetto, like, atmospheric. Layered. You understand what the fuck these people are talking about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, it, it is an instrument, not uh, not a, a narrative, like, delivery mechanism. Yeah. Um, and sort of very much the the other end of that that vocal spectrum. So somebody who's really telling a story is has got to be somebody like, um, you know, Courtney Barnett or as Nick we, Cave. As we mentioned, yeah, <laughs> or Nick Cave. Cave. I mean, <laughs> no, that's right. I mean, I think that there's there's a lot more in common between those two. Um, there's a sort of very deadpan, earnest delivery, um, like to the. I mean, it's obviously it's become a sort of uh, trademark style for for. Courtney Barnett, um, and you know, I think safe to say, probably born out of not necessarily having like vocal the chops. Greatest. Yeah, exactly. I mean, not really having the, the most range in that respect, and sort of finding something that you're comfortable with, and 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 also just like doing it really well. Really, the really dry humor um, yeah. is always is always welcome in my uh, in, in my home anyway. Um, yeah, it's, but, it was. Uh, you know, I, I think 
gang of youths were, you, you mentioned them a few minutes ago, I think. Um, this is sort of uh, m moving the compass over to Sydney now. Um, I think they are uh, a band that like has a sort of orchestral quality that I guess um, it just seems primed to take off. Uh, and I've been a little surprised that they haven't quite... How caught. old are they? I mean, how many years have they been around? I don't. I know you've talked about them. I haven't really dug in, but... Um, Probably five or six, and okay. touring in the States for three. Um, they're they're band that... Year. I, I mean, they might is... need... I, I, hate to, I hate to say it, and, you know, um, but it, it wouldn't hurt to move here in all likelihood. I mean, if they lived in New York, I think it would have already happened. Yeah. Um, who knows whether that's something they, you know, are interested in doing. Um, and you it can, seems you can to me... Sublet like, your apartment to them. <laughs> yeah. Well, there, there's a, there's a trade-off, of course, between having, like, such a large and comfortable and self-sustaining market in Australia. Yeah. Um, they, which they is the, like, you know, there's an entire ecosystem there that that is... It, it, it can support bands um, and you know again like I, I, I can't get over some of the numbers in this but like um, you know with that with that many concert venues and rock shows every year it's like hell I, I think I should be moving to, to yeah, Melbourne actually <laughs> rather than the other way around you know um, it seems like a pretty cool place to live yeah I think um, you know they, they sort of remind me of a band like Elbow where I feel like I can't gauge how big they are uh, or whether people have heard them, but they seem to have a self-assurance of a kind of band that's already made it. Um, yes. And, well, and I think you know, there's, there's a... Um, so, the, so the Australian Music Awards, like, are... have. Do we have any okay, idea so what those are called? Because it's going to be something funny. The uh, didgeridoos? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think it might be called the Australian Music Awards. Oh, no. They've uh, got to have ARIA. a nickname that's, for it. It's the Australian Recording Industry Association. It's ARIA. Oh, that's kind um, of boring. I would think they would call them, like, the, the Bampies or something. <laughs> the, the, the Flumpies, yeah. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, the Flumpies, is they're now known, um, uh, have, have actually, this has been, like, a... Uh, my my secret go to like arbitrage play every time I've been like strapped for oh we have like you know we need to find new bands for uh, for for our show um, I'll just figure out who won a bunch of awards <laughs> at the Arias last year um, and uh, give those a listen and you know sure enough like every time I've done that I've come away with with a couple of uh, with a couple gems. of real gems so um, you know I think that part of the um, so we're talking like the part poor of the man's success here is like, yeah, it, it, it just, it doesn't quite translate. And I think part of it is, I mean, it's just the physical geography of it is that like, unless you spend, you know, six months here, which is expensive to do, uh, touring the United States, like it's difficult to get lift off. Um, and I think there was a time, uh, back in the early two thousands when like, Jet did it. The Vines did it. Um, Silver Chair. Sort of. <laughs> sil <laughs> really? Yeah. I didn't know they were Australian. Um, yeah. Man, that's too bad. Um, but uh, 
Yeah, I mean, Jet and the Vines were were pretty cool. Um, I can see it. They were, and, that was their moment. Yeah. 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 Like, so the, when we were talking about like not having anything out of the too. the early two thousands or nineties, that was it. Yeah, I mean, I think they were sort of part of the global garage rock revival um, mm-hmm. that came out, you know, simultaneous to the Strokes, right? Uh, they were a little before that, actually. Yeah. They were, um, they were. It was the Hives that really launched that out of Sweden, and then there was a lot of sort of, um, you know, there was the Hives were super hyped, and then there was a sort of search for the next big thing. And I remember actually being invited to a showcase show for the Vines because they were going to be the next Hives, which is, you know, kind of funny. But, yeah, that that was all sort of a lead-in, like, late 80s, I think, uh, or, let I me mean, sorry, late 90s, uh, that sort of led into the Strokes sort of dominating um, that early 2000s period. But, yeah, that, I forgot that there was that mini uh, jailbreak from, from Australia onto uh, <laughs> alternative radio. Yeah. I mean, that really, that is a good way of describing it. Um, it was like, you know, we found a bunch of, uh, like, leather jacket wearing, um, like... Pouty boys. Long hair. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, you know, which... And, and sure enough, like, within, uh, within a month or two, um, you know, they were... Uh, I'm sure Jet was on the Rolling Stone... Um, yeah, I, I actually you know, saw. I actually it was saw, like a pretty significant. That song, that song too. There was a there was a New Zealand yeah. band called the Dotsons, who I saw open for the White Stripes and Brendan Benson. Uh, first time I saw the White Stripes, which is kind of funny, um, but they were very, um, you know, burned bright for about twenty minutes. Um, but uh, yeah, they were part of that whole thing too. So for. Let's see. Um, I think the last uh, last sort of segment that we can last segment of the market we can talk about is like um, this sort of very uh, like in- incredibly um, independent futuristic like uh, psychedelic um, sort of rock genre that like you know I think Tame Impala's got one foot in that camp, but um, really it seems to be spearheaded by. King Gizzard and the Lizard Wizard. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. Who I think are really um, so Wizard. comfortable and happy doing their own thing. <laughs> like, you mean putting I, out I 12 albums a year? Yes, and they are the Australian equivalent, in my mind, of the OCs. I was just going to say, um, that's, that, that's the OCs of Australia, for sure. I think they're the best comp ever. Ty yeah. Siegel. Yeah. Um, not, yeah, I mean, it's, it's similar vein, but, like, it just... It, it really seems to me that like there's there's the perfect uh, the perfect analogy here. Um, well, I imagine there's a movement around them too that you know doesn't quite make it as far over you know just like the OCs have kind of like a legion of similar bands that tour all the time and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, and I think they're uh, they were they're about ten years old now um, and uh, have what. 30 albums to their name or something. Yeah, um, there were, no, there were another band where I was late to the party because I hated the name so much. Yeah, I never, I was turned off by the name initially too, but they're great. Not to mention the fact that they have very difficult to remember um, album titles. Uh, so, yeah, I like sort of the, the sky and float along, fill your lungs. They're kind of like the of Montreal of, of uh, the Southern Hemisphere. 
comp. Yeah, the band that just kind of is never going to be, uh, never conform in a good way. Anyway, yeah. you want to take a quick break and come back and end this the way we end every podcast? Let's do it. Sure. Back to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Today we will end our podcast where we end every podcast, which is freezing Christian in his tracks by asking him what he's listening to. Jared, what are you listening to? <laughs> I, um, I'm going to pick it up because I actually was prepared. I knew you were back, Christian. So um, I've <laughs> been listening prepared. to... Um, you don't some, sound like you're stalling at all. <laughs> <laughs> I've been listening to some new stuff. Um, so i, I Actually checked out the uh, Francis Quinlan uh, Quin, yeah, Quinlan album from um, the lead singer Hopalong's first solo record. I uh, I like Hopalong, but I've always found her voice really enchanting and her like singing style. So I was pretty psyched for the solo album, and it's so far so good. I really like it. And then um, in the like middle aged uh, dad with two kids record club that I'm in, I got a. Uh, a copy of Phrenology by The Roots and it's funny like I, I grew up listening to The Roots and seeing them live um, I kind of stopped though at 99 after Things Fall Apart which I loved that record and, and then you know like a lot of groups you tend to kind of like come and go or you just I wasn't tired of them but I just kind of wasn't following every album they were going to put out I've never much better live act usually than on album but uh, Phrenology is a lot of fun and it's been fun to like throw it on and it's a double vinyl, brown vinyl, and uh, it's kind of cool to listen to a band that I've liked and seen a million times, but didn't completely follow their entire uh, album output, and you know to be like uh, hear something that sounds new again. Is that the one with the Cody Chestnut song? Yes. Yep. Nice. Yeah, it's it's really good. The Seed Part Two. The Seed Part Two. Nice. How about you, Linda? Um, I'm going to go uh, non-musical again and say that I was uh, 11.30 two nights ago. I, I flipped on Frontline on Jeff Bezos. I and that as well. it's pretty fascinating, um, you know, the sort of thought process behind how he arrived at uh, coming up with Amazon and, and the, the, you know, the thinking behind it. I've never really ultra, had that spelled out. The ultra customer focus, like 
Yeah. This is like the one area I can actually talk about intelligently right now. Yeah, well, it, the, the thing that, you know, struck me is just that one nugget of, you know, like, why books? And he chose books yeah. because they had the widest variety of one single product. Yeah. And anyway. I thought he was nuts, but I agree. I thought it was pretty cool. Is that a, is a, that a full two-hour... What's that? Is that is that a full two hour? Um, yes, it is. I wrapped yeah. it up about one thirty in the morning, and then. Okay. Um, but it yeah, it's it's a good one, and um, you know I'm always a big frontline supporter. So, um, there you go, Christian. Have you thought of anything yet? I have. Um, so is I was statistics. Oh. <laughs> saw Parasite last night. Actually, um, I realize I'm I'm a little late to that party, but uh, but really thought it was extraordinary. I'm sure you guys have uh, have discussed it recently. Um, but Jared just uh, saw it too. Yeah, I yeah. saw it. And no, it's, yeah, I talked about it last. It's definitely, I was late as well and loved it. I have actually yeah. now I'm on my like third and fourth viewing on airplanes at this point. Well, uh, does well, it get better hold. with? Uh, it gets funnier. Yeah, it gets I mean, there, a lot funnier. There was definitely like a there were a few moments that were actually like I thought kind of laugh out loud funny, um, including the uh, the pretty much any scene with the um, with the m- m- the rich mother in it. Um, She's awesome. She was she was really terrific, uh, and you know I, I think it's it's yeah it was one of those. Um, I don't want to say that it was like physical humor because it I mean there was a certainly an element of that um but it was really uh i think sort of overblown and exaggerated on occasion but i also think that that really helped the translation mm-hmm. um uh i don't know but that that was sort of my um my impression of the the comedy anyway such that it existed um yeah no it was a really terrific uh and like very visually appealing um movie but uh as for the playlist um i think in line with uh with melbourne music i'm gonna throw on history eraser by uh by courtney barnett nice it's cool. been a while when actually i think you and i listen to that a lot uh well, last time we were in virginia together so it sort of has a place oh, in yeah. time jer are you going to throw something on the four million ten best songs of all time um yeah i am i'm Gonna throw on uh, a one-hit wonder from a band that had zero hits and uh, 1993's <laughs> Betty Severe um, Tomboy. I love that song. It's a great song. It's a great one. It is a if you don't if you're not familiar with the legend of Betty Severe, uh, they were a Boston-based Dutch band <laughs> <laughs> who had a momentary hit. But actually, I've signed I've, a Matador. <laughs> yeah, they were good. I mean, yeah. that whole album's really good. Uh, that Palomar, song in particular, it's kind of like the, uh, you know, Lizzo putting out, you know, the one song on three albums because it just should be a hit. It's a great tune. The Laws. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Putting out There She Goes eight times as a single before it hit. Um, cool. Well, I am going to stick to the region as well and go with uh, the aforementioned uh, Crowded Houses, Don't Dream It's Over. Because it, it should be, be the outro to this episode. Well, it, it, it is the quintessential song if you hear it when you're kind of buzzed and you're like, oh my God, this is one of the best songs ever. Yeah. And there you go. You that get is a the ping of emotion. Of 
Yeah. Yeah. Christian, good to have you back. When 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 will we yeah. when will we get you again? Yeah, I think uh, I think we've got another one lined up soon. So um, I'm looking forward to uh, to making this a more regular appearance. Um, thanks for for not burning the house down while I was away. Ah, you're welcome. No parties. <laughs> yeah. All right. Cool. All Good right, talking well, to you guys. I'll see you next week. Talk soon. I'm Wyndham Lewis. On behalf of my brothers Jeremy Sartori and Christian Lewis, thank you very much for listening to the Brother, Brother, Brother podcast. Many thanks also to our heroic producer, Damian Kendall, and to Simon Doom for our epic intro music. Learn more about the pod at brotherpod.com. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook, and it's extremely helpful if you rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks again for listening.